has been so many, so many times better than any reasonable expectation. And hit batter. Hit batter. I mean, how can no hitting batters has always happened? That's that's normal. I'm glad he's hit a batter. It means he's back. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. What you really need is to be better. And it's like no kidding, yeah. Buck. <laughs> we know. Yeah, be better. And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars number 276, where we can't guarantee that Joshua Housem isn't going to be traded before the deadline. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am uh, joined by the undefable Joshua Housem. <laughs> How's it going, Josh? Well, at least I won't get released then. I mean... Well, you're not on the <laughs> roster. I mean, <laughs> technically. Anyway, we have uh, we have a tale for you folks out there in listener land. We have a weird road trip where scoring a lot of runs was a great way to lose a ball game. Um, probably because the bullpen was on fumes, which we need to discuss uh, some adjustments the Blue Jays are trying to make to the rotation and bullpen um, together to give the pitching staff some kind of a, a relief from uh, the heavy usage, um, which includes... Uh, a new player, Genesis Cabrera. It includes the return of Hyunjin Ryu, possibly Chad Green, uh, and Trent Thornton. We hardly knew ye. Uh, also, that gets complicated by a potential injury to Jordan Romano, similar to what happened to him in the All-Star game. The lineup, uh, we have, uh, we obviously talk about a few more homers, um, and uh, the guy who was not producing shockingly finally george springer has been dropped down in the lineup with the with the trade deadline coming maybe the lineup changes a bit more if tim anderson just shows up on the blue jays door who knows um we uh we potentially have a, a question uh, from you guys and then we have a do-over for buck who uh would love us to hit more doubles and isn't worried about homers and a gold star from the scoreboard folks in milwaukee who uh played with ellie de la cruz and got burned um <laughs> Where shall we begin, Josh? Uh, they they uh, they managed to salvage a win before they left town with the Padres, and I, I was happy for that because that that series was looking a little rough. And then they had what I guess you could consider a decent road trip. I, I think decent is probably the right way to put it. Yeah, when you go into into Seattle and into LA to face the Dodgers, coming out of that three and three is probably it's hard to ask for more than that on the surface. But when you consider that in all the three losses, they were leading in the seventh inning or later, it only stays at decent because they probably should have gone 6-0. and oh. Yeah, I guess this is the old, like, more ball games are lost than won feeling that I, that I get from that. Because I, I get that there was a, you know, there was two epic failures here um in in games that were what eight seven and nine eight losses late like again with late leads um but is is that because you know eventually eric swanson's not going to be perfect he's going to have a blow up you know outing or is that because you know can that be allowed to happen quote unquote allowed like i i think it's awfully yeah you know tough no I, I think you're right. To expect a team to hold every single late inning lead is just not reasonable. That's not how baseball works. It's not how baseball has ever worked. I'm just saying that from a reflective standpoint, they probably should have won all six games. So it's only you can't say more than it was a decent road trip. I'm not saying it was a bad right. road trip because they didn't win them. Just that it's not more than that. 
in uh, even if they you know it's more that they blew three of them in in, in six <laughs> games right yeah if they you know say they they blew that that first one to the mariners right which was i think it was you know they, they gave up five runs in the seventh it's like mm-hmm. okay they were up seven to three and they gave up five <clears throat> it's like okay it happens you know so, sometimes you just have a pitcher come out and he sucks but that was the second game of the series and it had happened in the game before that. And then it happened in the second game of the Dodgers series with another blow up inning. So it's sort of like, okay, like it, 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 one, okay, that's, that happens Two, eh, whatever, three and in six, it's like, all right, guys, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the bright side, somehow they managed to win an extra inning game on the road in Dodger stadium, despite yeah. exp- imploding in, in, you know, regulation, uh, play. So Credit to them for for not throwing away all three of those games. That I I think if they lose all three of those, then then I feel as a fan that they just can't come back, right? That they can't write any kind of late problem. And right now it's kind of like, well, I mean, you shouldn't have late problems, but on the other hand, once in a while you can fix your own screw ups. So, well, so I know. guess technically they blew the lead late in four of the six because they won one of the three, but. <laughs> mm. Because the because the first two Mariners games which they lost they blew late leads, and right. yeah, but you're right they coming back and then stopping the Dodgers from scoring in either of the tenth or eleventh innings because they won the game in the eleventh. Yeah, they scored three in the eleventh and then left the bases loaded with nobody out. So <laughs> what a Jay's inning, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, but coming back, you know, and and stopping them from scoring that was great. And again, they won three of six against two good teams on the road on the West Coast. So. I mean, it's not bad. Yeah, um, but it does speak to the larger issue um, here of the bullpen being in a rough spot. Even though the, the starting rotation has performed pretty well, like you're getting six innings out of all of your starters here, the amount of mileage going on the bullpen arms is getting up there. Yeah, th- this has become a bit of a problem. Now, a lot of people have sort of pointed out that the guy, the Jays, kind of brought it on themselves a bit in in this the start of this series because Kikuchi went five and a third, and he was at seventy eight pitches. He'd given up a single, and then they went to Trevor Richards instead of letting Kikuchi try to finish the inning. Kikuchi was great again. His ERA is down to three point seven five or something. He he's been really fantastic lately. But at the same time, the issue comes back to the same thing that it's been the entire time. It's not the problem of the starting pitching not going deep. It's not the problem of the, of the relievers not pitching well. It's a problem that the offense is not scoring, and so they have to manage the game on a tightrope. The reason they took Kikuchi out is because they're only up by one. <laughs> or, or I guess they're up by two at that Yeah, one at that point. There was one nothing. And you know, it was Teoscar Hernandez was coming up, who throughout his career has feasted on left-handed pitching. The right move was to make a change, even if it, again, put the pressure on the bullpen because they had to win the game. They didn't win, which is why it became a bigger problem. But the offense not scoring runs, again, those two games we just talked about notwithstanding, has been the general cause of the problems. And even in those two games, they scored runs. Well, in one of the two runs, the games, they scored their runs in the ninth. So it wasn't exactly like they let the, the leverage relievers off the ninth. No, I don't think the leverage relievers 
ever feel like they have a night off with this team. And and we've watched a lot of baseball over the years and certainly have seen, um, you know, weeks where uh, a reliever disappears, a guy who's generally quite good, but is, is just not needed, right? Like he goes for five or six mm-hmm. days and he says, like, oh, wait, we don't need that guy because the situation is never lined up that we need to really hold down the lead in the seventh inning. We have a three-run lead or a four-run lead in the seventh. We'll just go to whoever the bottom man on the totem pole is because he doesn't have very many appearances. And, oh, he gave up a run or he gave up two runs. Okay, we need to, you know, but he got, the, he got three outs. Great, we'll move on to the next inning. That is exceedingly rare with this team. And... Yeah. On top of that, other than Nate Pearson, who was um, optioned recently, the Blues don't have the flexibility that some previous incarnations have had where they have had three or four relievers in the minors, even if they aren't as good of quality, that they could rotate in with options. The options are super limited here. Right. That's the big issue. It's not that they don't have the guys in the minors because they do. They've got, well, Pearson now down there. Jackson was down there for a while. Pearson and then uh, back today. Actually. Well, he's not officially yeah. back. We'll get by, get to why in a minute. But he he's in Toronto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, the issue was that the major leaguers couldn't be sent down. And also, the, the problem is that – problem is the wrong word. They were all pitching well, right? There was no guy other than Mitch White. The one guy who you don't want to get rid of is the one guy you can't, right? They can't send Mitch White down, but all the other pitchers were pitching well, and they're not. There was no reason to option them, but they were just getting overused. And because of that, and because Mitch White does never and will never pitch in a game that matters, unless it's extra innings and they don't have any arms left, as happened, then they get burnt out, yeah. and that's what happened. So, you know, it, it's tough. So the first solution, and I put solution, or the first step in a solution, I guess, that we saw, uh, notwithstanding, you know, the expansion of the rotation, was trading for Genesis Cabrera, who is having kind of a crap season, or at least for him, the crappiest season he's ever had. But uh, relievers are super swingy. Maybe they saw something in him scouting him that it was like, oh, well, we can, you know, we can maybe get him back to what he was and and be the second left-hander in the bullpen who's legitimately a left-hander. Yeah, and unlike Meza, who they used as a full-on loogie most of the time, again, left-handed, one-out guy, Cabrera has always been a multi-inning reliever or at least full-inning reliever. You know, In his career, he's thrown 176 games in the bigs and 192 innings. He, th- he gets a lot of strikeouts because he throws really, really hard. And I think the Jays just sort of bet on the fact that he was giving up more hits than usual and the home runs well the, the we haven't seen that 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 being totally of an outlier but the more hits basically he's like he's a guy that will walk some and strike out some but for some reason in the last year and a bit in St. Louis it just hasn't been right so i think they just thought well we can fix it and he does have an option if it doesn't work which is cool uh so far it's worked i mean it's only 3 innings but he uh, sorry yeah, three innings. Four, four, three innings and two outings, uh, but he struck out four. Hasn't walked anybody, yeah. hasn't allowed any hits. It's like, okay, one well. Hit. Yeah. Uh, sorry, one hit. I'm, You know, you can't ask for a lot more than that to hit a team, you know, running, so to speak. Um, and it was against the Dodgers in Dodger Stadium, right? It wasn't like he was facing yeah. Oakland for his debut with the team. Yeah. Um, so 
Cabrera offers them that little bit of flexibility, like you said, to to option him if he does get burnt out because they have to use him, you know, two, three out of four days, and they need they don't feel like he can go. They can they can move him and, and bring Nate Pearson back. Anything at this point is helpful to expand the number of people in the bullpen who are reliable. Um, then we have the return of, of Chad Green, who is who is rehabbing. Yeah, so this is going to be an interesting thing. We'll get to more the roster machinations of when he may or may not come back and what will happen when that happens. But he has now actually pitched in the minor leagues. You know, we've seen him. The last time we talked, he had been about to go out on a rehab assignment. and Well, now he has. He has pitched twice. And he's got a one strikeout over two innings, a couple hits, no walks. But his fastball is up around 95. That's pretty normal for Chad Green. It's like a half mile an hour lower than what he was before he got injured. But, you know, it's first rehab outing. I mean, that's – if he can do that and he can throw strikes and use his slider because his, his – Chad Green's fastball is fine, but it's his slider that makes him a great reliever. And if he's throwing rehab outings now, he's a reliever. He's not going to need a lot, so he'll be back quite soon. And just before we move off to the other guy coming back, we, I want to just give a shout out to Jay Jackson because – Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> holy moly. He just keeps just getting the job done. He's now up to 15 and two-thirds innings with 16 strikeouts and one run. You have a solo home run. He has been so many, so many times better than any reasonable expectation of, of you know, any kind of random, <laughs> random reliever uh, you call up. I My mind is blown. Yeah, you watch Jay Jackson pitch. It's like he throws 93 to 94. Maybe sometimes he'll hit 95. But he's got a good enough slider. And the thing is, he can, th the thing is, the differentiates him from, say, Manoa, who has a similar repertoire and also has a changeup. Jackson's slider is almost always in a good spot. He doesn't, I mean, sometimes he'll leave some over the plate because every pitcher does, but when they're not, they're all glove side, off the plate, just down. Like they're, they're not way off. He, he doesn't miss wildly. And I think that command, this is what, I mean, I don't like bringing them up for obvious reasons, but Roberto Osuna, what made him great with his ability to command his slider where it was just off the plate, but you had to swing at it. And that's what Jay Jackson does. Well, I mean, we, we've seen how effective sliders just off the plate have been against Blue Jays hitters. Um, it should work for Blue Jays pitchers the same way, right? Uh, a, a pitch that's actually deceptive, or as as I've seen the complaint many times on, on Twitter this year, the Blue Jays, certain certain pitchers have trouble because they are making non-competitive pitches. So, yeah, you, you want to... Even if you're throwing, not throwing 100% strikes, there's a difference, a huge difference between missing the plate by a foot uh, and missing your spot by a foot. Yep. Um, a guy who probably, this is my segue, a guy who probably isn't going to miss his spots by too much if we know what to expect is Hyunjin Ryu, um, who counts on, on having that very precise command. Um, he is... Still a couple of miles per hour off. I'm not, I don't know if I'm super concerned about that. I would love to know if he is locating and has the action on his, his pitches that, that we have come to expect from a, a good, effective Hyunjin Ryu. Yeah, I'm also in the I don't know if I'm concerned about that kind of phase as well. He did get up to 91. I'd like to see him be getting up to 93, 94 and sitting at 90, 91. But 
again, we'll see how that plays out. The, the reports in Buffalo were good, but the major leagues is a different animal, right? And then, you know, the adrenaline and this is what the Jays talked about. It's like, well, they think the adrenaline is going to add some velocity too, because it's just, you know, when yeah. you're just working on stuff and rehabbing, it's just not the same. What the weird thing is, and I understand why, but they're going for to a six man rotation because they have 17 games in a row. No off days. That's great, but it means they lose a reliever. <laughs> Because you can only carry 13 pitchers on your roster. So the already stretched thin bullpen might be stretched even further. Because who knows what Ryu is going to give you, right? <laughs> he might not be able to go deep in games right away. So it's an interesting, it helps the rotation, but it might not help the bullpen much. It might hurt the bullpen actually quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think the question is, is like, how many total innings are you loading onto the rotation and how many total innings are you loading onto the bullpen and does going to a six-man rotation help you? And I think the other sort of continued unknown in that is the Alec Manoa situation. Are, do mm -hmm. you get, you know, versus Detroit Alec Manoa? Do you get, what, what did he manage against the Dodgers? Or was it the Dodgers or... Sorry, I, I was not up for all of those West Coast games. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he, so he pitched against Seattle, not the okay. Dodgers. He went five and a third, gave up three hits, four walks, three runs, six strikeouts, and a hit batter. Hit, but I mean, I know hitting batters has always happened. That's that's normal. It's, I'm glad he hit a batter. It means he's back. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe not the exact definition we're looking for, but okay. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's still the four walks is still the problem. The six strikeouts is nice, right? When he's getting swings and misses, because he got twelve swings and misses in that game, which I think might be his season high. But so that's a good sign, right? The good sign is that yeah. he was getting guys to actually not make contact. It is a season high, tied, tied, twelve, and both of them against Seattle, actually, which is kind of funny. He just needs to command better. He still had the same problem where he was missing spots by feet. We're missing the plate by feet, as we talked about, right? Yep. And I don't know if that's going to get fixed, but at least if he's combining it with strikeouts, it mitigates the problem a little bit. Because against, was it the Padres, I think, where he lasted oh, yeah. three innings, walked five. He didn't get a single strikeout, right? And it's just, he had to come out because you can't work yourself out of a jam if you can't get guys to swing and miss. Yeah, well, the, you, if they keep advancing runners, right, uh, you're you're screwed. Um, especially in today's game, where everybody swings and misses. That's like... Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> that's, that should be the easy bit, um, is to get people to commit. But yeah, so we'll, we'll see. So he's going to pitch, basically, within an hour of us recording this. Maybe not even that. So, you know, by the time you listen to this, there might be more information. <laughs> well, there will be more information about what Manoa gives him. But if Manoa keeps being a shorter start guy and Ryu is like, you know, if he's only throwing 88, you're probably not trusting him to go through a lineup three times as good as his career has been. That's still just less margin for error. And then Kikuchi, they don't trust to go deep, despite how good he has been. He actually has a lower ERA than Chris Bassett. But... I don't know. We'll, we'll see this because we'll, we'll get more more answers once the deadline happens and reinforcements happens. But it's it's going to be interesting to see what this does to the bullpen. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that rebalancing. But again, they have they have uh, the ability to readjust that 
by and not have to DFA somebody right now because of the composition of the bullpen. So yay, <laughs> they don't have to they don't have to overcommit when they go to the six man rotation. I guess. <laughs> um, speaking of changes that they made, I feel like we should acknowledge that Trent Thornton is is no longer with the organization. Traded for a, a minor league infielder named McCoy because we love minor league infielders named McCoy around here. If anybody remembers Mike McCoy, shout out. Um, <laughs> I'm Thornton. not sure Mason McCoy's not the same person. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's him with a mustache. <laughs> um, Thornton, I thought at one point Trent Thornton was going to be uh, a member of this starting rotation. I think you and I both thought that, having seen him at his best, he could, he could you know, put together some really great outings. I'm thinking back, like, what, 2018, 2019? Um, 19, yeah. But it never really... It never really got to that level of consistency where you could trust Trent Thornton every five days with the ball. Yeah, then when he went, went was sent to the bullpen, it didn't get to where you could trust him in leverage with the ball. You know, he just—I don't know—it it just never really worked out. His velocity was up and down, and his breaking balls just weren't swinging miss enough. And you know, he's already—he's—I think he's thirty now, or he's turning thirty in September, and. There just wasn't a clear spot for him on the roster. So he was DFA'd when they acquired Genesis Cabrera. And then they flipped. Then they ended up during the DFA period, they traded him for McCoy. Now, McCoy isn't actually like Mike McCoy because he got a little bit of power. But he's also 28 and in AAA. I, I, I'd be shocked if he's ever in the big leagues for the Blue Jays. He's Yeah, he's, he's not a guy. <laughs> no. Um, also, I just I didn't observe this when we first mentioned him, but Genesis is a kick-ass name. Uh, as a first name, I applaud Genesis Cabrera's parents for for going with that. Um, the last thing that could complicate this whole bullpen situation is Jordan Romano and his back and the injured list. Yeah, so I was there during the first game of the Angels series, and I assume they show this on TV as well. But Romano was not looking comfortable while he was pitching. He was hopping around and. They, you know, Vlad twice called for the trainer. That's not, but, it's not great. It's not a good look. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it's, it's one thing when, when you know, if the pitcher does a little something and then, you know, the trainer's like, okay, what happened? But when the first baseman's like, trainer, 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 it's like, okay, this is not good. And the trainer went out the first time and Romano convinced them he was okay. I'm not entirely sure how, but he did. And then he got, a big strikeout of a pinch hitter for Shohei Otani in the ninth. What a weird inning game that, game that was. Like, takes the drama all out of it. Otani is injured and Romano is injured. Yeah, it's a weird rebalancing of, of the fates. Yeah, so he got a strikeout, but on the strikeout, he did an awkward little hop off the mound, and then they, Vlad called for the trainer again, and Romano was out. And it's the same problem that kept him out or made him leave the All-Star game and kept him out for the first series or a few games out of the All-Star game. It's not good. No, I, I feel like it, it's sort of one of those, it's just an instinctive reaction, but it's like, okay, it's August, essentially. I mean, it's July 29th. You may as well be, yeah. Put him on the injured list for 10 days. See how he is after he actually gets a layoff. Because you don't really want him like 
may be okay as you go in in the middle of August and then you're really in the thick of a playoff race and you can make like no moves to, I don't know. I, I just feel like if you're going to give him a break, give him one now. Um, well, and the, the other, the other thing that I think really should play into the, whether they put him on the IL, like they're going to do tests today and see how he is. But like the issue that comes up is again, this tired bullpen. You don't want to be a man down. Especially when, when once Ryu comes back, well, okay, we'll, 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 I'll get back into that in a second. Just to speaking for the present, because Ryu's not back for a couple of days, but or a few days, starting on the first Tuesday. The you don't want to be a man down with an already tired bullpen. So it, you know, so Nate Pearson is in Toronto on the taxi squad. If Romano goes on the IL, Romano or Pearson will be activated, or activated is the wrong word. He'll be called up or recalled. But, you know, if he's not, if Romano, they're like, well, we'll give it a day or two. That means you're a day or two without, with only seven relievers and one of them is Mitch White. So, I don't know. I hope that they can make a really qu quick assessment of what Romano is going to need. And then if he's going to be missing time, put him on the aisle. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. And don't Ever put Swanson as the closer. Oh, well, yes. Because Swanson is too valuable to be the closer. <laughs> Yeah, the irony uh, of that. Yeah, I know. Of course, he blew that massive save against the was it the Dodgers? Yeah. Um, I don't care about that. I don't. I mean, the, all pitchers have bad games, and he was running on fumes too. We saw in this Angels game where Swanson is the most valuable, <laughs> coming in with runners on base because he strikes guys out. Yeah, there there is so much swing and miss in Swanson's game, even though on paper it does not look like it should be. There are so many times where it's like, oh. Yep, swinging strike, swinging strike blocked, and called strike. Okay, he's, thanks, Eric. Yeah. Inning over. So, so I would rather, if they were going to assign someone as the temporary closer, I'd rather be Jimmy Garcia. Yeah. Let him because, have fresh innings. And if he walks a man, because Jimmy Garcia walks people, that's not although the end of the world. Had, although he actually has the lowest walk rate of any non mazer reliever on the Jays this year, which is surprising. But... Okay, he walks yeah, people he, in he, bursts. Is that oh, my problem? He, he, he gives up a lot of like flare singles and things like that. But yeah, but a base runner or two with nobody on doesn't hurt you. But yeah, like I want Swanson. I keep saying like, I don't know, bad speaking. But <laughs> <laughs> I want Swanson and Richards to be the roving strikeout relievers when you need to get out of a jam. And Mesa when there's a lefty coming up. And, and Jackson with, can feature yeah. wherever they're in there too. Oh, just make Jackson the closer. Come on. I'd be fine with that. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I did it again. Jackson or Garcia as the closer. The guy, well, no, but Jackson can throw multiple innings. So just Garcia <laughs> yeah, as the closer. Good. Done. <laughs> okay. Jimmy Garcia, uh, certified closer. Proven closer. Proven spelled with Pearson. a U. Closer spelled with a Z. Oh, my goodness. Okay. We're going to talk about the offense before this podcast is out. Uh, the big thing about the offense is they, they did finally juggle the lineup once they came back to Toronto. And George Springer, incredibly ineffective leadoff hitter. I love you, George, but man, it has not been working this year. Uh, James and T.O., just go to his Twitter uh, timeline for all of the times that George Springer has not done the thing. Um, has been dropped to fifth, replaced with Whit Merrifield, who literally is the definition of play the hot hand. Yeah, man, goes up to a 780 OPS. He's 305, 354, 425. Uh, he got, what did he, he hit a home? Yeah, three hits and a home, yeah. including a home run. In his thousand And a stolen base. Yeah. 
so yeah, Mer Merrifield's in a groove. Uh, and the bottom of this lineup has been pretty good. Not, you know, not fantastic, but pretty good at getting runners on base. Um, especially Kevin Kiermeyer and uh, and Danny Jansen has been, of course, a, a power god ever since returning from his injury. <laughs> I, I swear, Danny Jansen gets gets uh, tired, then gets hurt because he's too tired, and then he gets a rest, and then he comes back, and it, fresh Danny Jansen is a world beating hitter. But then he gets hit by a whole bunch of foul balls, and his hands get beat up, and the whole process repeats again. Jansen is third on the team in home runs. <laughs> yeah, and like what, two a hundred and something less at bats than the next guy? Uh, two hundred. Yeah, but yeah, yeah but it, it's crazy how good a power hitter Jansen is. But yeah, Springer. So I was at the game, as I said, and they put up little stats on the scoreboard. We're gonna—that's a little teaser for our gold star. Yeah. But they put up little stats on the scoreboard. And they cherry picked a stat. It was like in his last 37 games, George Springer has hit something. And in their cherry picked stat window, it was a 760 OPS. That was the best window they could find that included the current date was 760, which means Springer has been really bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has been really bad and bad at advancing runners, uh, which. That's all we're asking him to do, right? Is get the occasional extra base hit <laughs> sometime when there's a runner on base, and it just hasn't happened this year. And I don't think that's a I don't think it's a skill issue. I mean, we might find out after the season there was something going on with Springer uh, that it might be one of those things where, oh yeah, by the way, he had a sports hernia the whole time. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why he hasn't been good. There are clearly better options at the moment to lead off for this team even just in terms of raw on-base percentage. And Whit Merrifield is, uh, I'm, I'm happy to see him up at the top of the lineup. Even though, he you did, know, yeah. there was the only got the higher on-base percentage than Merrifield this year is Belt, and you're not going to lead off with Belt. <laughs> no, because Belt will only ever get to second base during the process of running around, <laughs> running around right. the bases. <laughs> so who would have thought that of the Jays' regular outfield, far and away the best hitter would be Kevin Giermeyer? <laughs> I still don't believe you, and I know it's true. Yeah. Anyway, it's an interesting switch, and I think it was time. Yeah, uh, possibly. Uh, I mean, you could argue it was a bit overdue. Um, yes, true. The trade deadline, Loomis, uh, in, our, in, our, in our front headlights. And the only name I've heard that I, I think I've heard consistently on the, the offense side is Tim Anderson, who had a lousy first half is playing for the White Sox, who are uh, a disaster zone, again, because that's what the White Sox do, um, and has had an excellent post-All-Star break run. What does Tim Anderson cost? By the way, Romano just went on the IL, officially. 15-day IL. So it's 15 for pitchers. So yeah, so he's out. What does Tim Anderson cost? Not much. Um, he's been awful. And he has a 14, he has a $14 million option for next year. Tim Anderson's funny because he has been a very good hitter for from 2019 to 2021. He was a very good hitter. In 2022, he hit for average, but the power completely went away. This year, he has no home runs. He, <laughs> he's got no home runs, and he's hitting 239. And he's never been a guy who takes walks. 
So it's as bad as a hitter can be. You know, we think of Varsho as being awful. Varsho's OPS plus is 18 points higher than Tim Anderson's. But there is a track record. I don't know that he's the best fit. I think that, I mean, he'd be interesting for sure. But the Jays need someone who can provide power and can be a threat from the left side. Even in his hot streak since coming back, he's only got two doubles, no triples, no home runs. You know, he's hitting, he's got 17 hits, but but 15 singles. And he doesn't steal bases much anymore. So I don't think he's the best fit. There's guys like Tommy Pham out there, which who knows how his role would work. And I, I think we might be surprised with who they end up getting, but they need a bat who can be a clear upgrade on the current bench. Which, when it's Kevin Biggio and Santiago Espinal, shouldn't be impossible. Yeah. And the other interesting thing about the the deadline coming, which is on the 1st, it's not the 31st, it's August 1st today, not the 31st of July, and why Hyunjin Ryu is pitching on the 1st, and why Chad Green will not come back until after that, <clears throat> and honestly, why I think they may have gotten Mason McCoy. The Jays have a lot of 40-man infielders in the minor leagues that they could use as trade bait to get whatever it is they are trying to get. So that I expect that to happen. I expect them to use someone on the 40 men to trade away. Because right now, just in the minors, you have Addison Barger, Leo Jimenez, Otto Lopez, Aurelvis Martinez, and still somehow Ernie Clement on the 40 men. <laughs> I don't think Ernie Clement is a trade beast, but the other four guys are. And I expect one or two of those guys, along with Spencer Horowitz, who's a first baseman, so I guess another infielder, they're all on the 40 men. And I expect one or two of them to be traded out so that Ryu and Green can come back without as much damage to the 40-man. Whoever they trade for will have to go on as well. So Ernie Clement might get DFA or, or they might trade Zulueta, who's on the 40-man. I mean, But I expect them to try to move guys from the 40-man first as opposed to previous years where they might not have done that. Well, the trade deadline is definitely looming. Um, and of course, it will be interesting to see what the other teams do as well, which... Um, you know, always always has a, in hindsight, an impact on how big the move was for the Jays, right? If somebody else does something even bigger, maybe maybe you're playing catch up as opposed to getting ahead of the other your other playoff contenders. I think that sums up everything that has happened in the the previous ten days, uh, and we can move on to uh, to part two of the podcast after we take a brief brief. Wow. Brief breather. Don't don't try and say that five times <laughs> fast, folks. We'll be right back. And we're back, refreshed, uh, rejuvenated, um, uh, reinstated from the injured list. It's all of us. Um, we made the uh, the executive decision to record on a Saturday afternoon and you've all apparently already headed for the ballpark instead of checking Twitter every five minutes to see if we've asked for questions. So we're going to move past the questions to something much more exciting. Um, a do-over for our favorite broadcaster in the whole entire universe, Buck Martinez. All right. What would I do different? Well, well, I've never actually made a mistake. There have been a few, let's call them stananks. 
that could be worthy of a do-over. So, Buck Martinez, uh, there's certain things he really does not like. Um, I mean, there's certain things he loves. He does love going up the middle uh, and using the whole field. Uh, did you know Buck Martinez doesn't like home runs? I did, and I was reminded. Uh, this is 29 seconds of Buck Martinez explaining the problem with home runs. You know what the Blue Jays need? They need some doubles, back-to-back -back doubles here, and that keeps the pitcher in a jam. Home runs kind of wipe out the situation, but boy, you start stringing some doubles and extra base hits together, and that's when you can really do some damage against a starter. 0-2, swung over the top of the curve. Guerrero at second. Yeah, so, I mean, essentially, why is that completely wrong, Josh? Well, but first, I want to talk. I love Dan Schulman. He just, he pauses, calls the play, pauses, talk. He just did not want to indulge this <laughs> comment from Buck. But the problem, okay, look, yeah, stringing doubles would be nice. Yes, it'd be nice if they strung doubles together. Great. They don't do that. The Jays, that's not the Blue Jays. If you hit a home run, you are guaranteed to score. You don't need more hits to score. And the Blue Jays, when there's runners in scoring position, they're not very good. <laughs> they, <clears throat> With runners in scoring position, the Blue Jays are hitting 245 with a 378 slugging percentage. Uh, that's great. Like, yeah, you could ask them to, slug, to string doubles together. But why would you say that instead of home runs? If he just said it'd be nice if the team could do this, because that would be. It would be great if they could actually start stringing together extra base hits and get big innings. But home runs guarantee you runs. This game that we just had against the Angels, this case, Jay scored four runs. Three of them were solo homers. One of them was a double with a runner on third. Then they left the bases loaded with one out. Because that's what the Blue Jays do right now. <laughs> yes, it'd be good if it normalized, but for Buck to have watched the entire season to this point and be saying that is bizarre. They win when they hit homers. Yeah, I think the the really the the thrust of his argument is actually what you really need is to be better. And it's like no kidding, yeah. Buck. <laughs> we know. Yeah, be better. <laughs> that's the thing. If he just said it'd be nice if they could actually start stringing together extra base hits. Great, but don't say the home run part stopping rallies and nonsense. It scores runs, guaranteed runs with homers. Yeah, and I don't think a pitcher gets a sense of relief and is it's easier for him to pitch to the next guy after someone just hit a ball 425 feet off of him like it was nothing. I think I think that next pitch is a bit more is just as nerve-wracking as the one with a guy standing on second, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there, there, there is an implied uh, threat uh, when you have a runner on second. There is, there is a already you, problem. You've already been damaged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when someone's hit a home run off of you. So, uh, I mean, Buck, we know you didn't hit any homers as a, as a player. Just, just love the homer, embrace the homer, and uh, you can, you know, we'll we'll never talk about it again if you come on and admit that you you can love learn to love homers. Uh, on the flip, we do have a gold star, and it's also home run related. Isn't that nice? I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've learned it. Uh, rookie phenom Ellie De La Cruz is the, you know, the central point to our gold star here. Um, this guy's something else. Sure is. 
he was something else in Milwaukee. Uh, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, he, in the first inning, uh, hit a ball that was robbed for a home run. And the Milwaukee uh, scoreboard staff crew uh, decided that they would be they would be cute, as some, some scoreboard crews are want to do around the league. I don't think they really do it in Toronto, but, but they put... Um, they put up during his second plate appearance um, a you know information box that says almost hit a home run in the first inning dot dot dot, but didn't. Do you think he actually read that before he before he got up, or do you think he just ignored the whole thing? I'm not sure. He made comments <laughs> about it after the game, but who knows when he saw those or someone told him about it. But <laughs> but he did proceed in the in the plate appearance where that notice was up. Um, hit a ball 455 feet <laughs> yeah no doubts about the second one <laughs> so uh yeah kind of a kind of a statement intentional or otherwise that maybe maybe he doesn't need to worry about home runs getting robbed all the time i believe he's hit multiple 450 foot home runs by the time we've we've recorded yeah. this yeah he hits the ball really far he also runs like a madman um having been the first person to steal three bases over the course of two pitches since the 1800s or some weird thing um, so I'm handing out the gold star for learning, for doing your own do-over, for learning your oh, lesson. Oh no, you don't have the next days up there. This is where the gold star goes to the scoreboard crew too. The next day, Ellie struck out in the first at bat. And then in his second at bat, the box had popped up. The well, scoreboard crew has no further comment at this time. <laughs> lest, lest we jinx whatever is about to happen. We will report facts only on Ellie de la Cruz. So yeah, that's my gold star. Is uh, you know they realized the error of their ways. They um, they caught you know they figured out where they had to be at, and they showed proper respect to a man who can hit a baseball over four hundred and fifty feet, which I could not do in my wildest dreams. Um, so yeah, if the if the scoreboard crew, whoever you are at American Family Field in Milwaukee, which is just weird to me. Uh, would like to come down and pick up a gold star from us, um, we'd be happy to deliver it to you. Uh, it is just just some tinfoil spray-painted gold, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, yeah, it's it's things are heating up, Josh. Do you have a final thought as we head towards trade deadline season? Oh, you tease. You led me into that nicely. Speaking of heating up, there was a really silly thing that happened in the first game of the Angels series where... Gossman threw about as much of a home run pitch as you can throw to Shohei Otani, and Shohei Otani crushed it. Just absolute bomb to right field. It's only three, only 397, that's because it's down the line. It's hard to hit a ball down the line much farther than that. And it was a no-doubter into the second deck. And, so, and Chapman got heated in the dugout. He went after, uh, he went to, to John Schneider and said, and, and said, why are we pitching to Otani? He's the only bleeping guy in this lineup who can hit. <laughs> Which is really funny. Yeah. But also, I mean, this became a thing, and it really shouldn't have. I mean, yeah, it got caught on the cameras, which is why it became a thing. This happens, this sort of stuff happens all the time. I think Chapman was more just pissed at Gosman throwing a ball right down the middle to Shohei Otani. <laughs> <laughs> because you're not gonna walk Shohei Otani in the first inning with nobody on and one out. Like that that's just not good baseball. But I think he was just more angry that he got a meatball and took it out on Schneider. It happened. Well, it's it's yeah, not I mean, a big deal, is kind of the point. I think the the maybe it would be worth talking about if he'd gone to Gaussman in the dugout. 
right and said the same thing that that's a whole different deal talking to the starting pitcher about whatever has happened but i mean i you, think that'd have been worse yeah that's what i'm saying that it would have been yeah, a thing yeah. it would have been like what yeah. are you doing dude? <laughs> like i'm sure yeah, he didn't intend like, to put it down the middle yeah did you see where jansen's glove was it was up and away <laughs> the ball didn't go where i wanted you try <laughs> but that's not what happened he just went to the manager in frustration which is it just he's just wants to win and like whatever who cares yeah it was it was good um yeah i i uh my final thought do i have a do i have a coherent one probably not Mine was i do not coherent so go for it <laughs> i think the blue jays need need help at this deadline i really i think they do i don't think you need like you know some kind of massive earth-shattering move but like you said a, a a hitter who can deliver some power as we've noticed the blue jays have started to pull the ball more and hit more home runs in the last two weeks than before the break uh and what happens when they do this and the bullpen does its normal job oh they win ball games like three two and four one and um and i think that's pretty much going to be how this season goes for the blue jays they're a game and a half above the next wild card contender in the last wild card spot I think with with the appropriate moves, with a, a little bit of luck, I'm more optimistic that this team is going to make uh, make the playoffs in in a good position. I am concerned what happens when they get to the playoffs if this is the current composition of the roster, though. I, I still, unless they go in and finally finally beat an AL East team <laughs> in a series, I don't think I'm ever going to shake the what have they done to be cursed against their own division part of this team. Well, if they don't start beating ALI's teams in series, they're not going to make the postseason. So you don't have to worry about that because the team right behind them is Boston. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, they finished the season with mostly ALI's teams. But I, I agree, though. They they need to get reinforcements, especially you know, the, the issues that have come up, especially against left-handed pitching because the Varsh – well, and they need really someone who can – either play second base every day, which is where Tim Anderson would come in. He's shortstop, but whatever. Or outfield every day, because at some point, Varsho, they can't just keep saying, we're going to keep trying, right? He Varsho should be better than this, and he will be going forward. For the next three years in his Blue Jays uniform, if he never gets traded away or whatever, I expect him to be much better. But at some point, he's got to do it, right? Yeah. And, and if he's not doing it right now and he needs to work on it in the offseason, you know, figure out what, what went wrong, well, yeah, I, he's a great defender. He's fantastic, but he needs to deliver the other way too. and or, or whoever's in that position needs to deliver on the other side of the ball. So I don't know what happens. Um, the By the time we record again, though, uh, yeah, we should have some answers about that because there is no silly double trade deadline thing anymore in baseball, and I'm actually thankful for that. Amen. Which is to say, uh, you have been uh, Josh Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010 on X. You can, you can <laughs> X at us. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 276, and we'll talk at you next week. Mm-hmm.